this morning when you find your places. If you're able to stand, let's all stand this morning out of respect for the reading of God's Word. John chapter 14, we've been here uh, several, several times now as we've been in this series um, on the Holy Spirit. And uh, let me turn to John 14 instead of Luke 14. John chapter 14, and we're going to begin uh, right around verse number 15 today. John 14, verse 15, and we're going to read down through at least verse number 23. Now, let me encourage you to really, really pay attention to the words because all the preceding verses that we're going to read are very, very important to the whole message today. And so, uh, John 15, how many are glad for your Bible? Amen? Amen. Amen. John 15, verse 15 Um, If you have a red letter edition Bible, you'll notice that most of this is in red because this is the Lord Jesus speaking. And he says in verse 15, if ye love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Now we've learned that that word comforter, of course, the Lord Jesus was talking about the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, he explains that even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. Look at this phrase here, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Verse 18, it says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, the Lord Jesus is instructing his disciples here and he's talking about his death. Fellas, I'm getting ready to go. We're, We're in view of the cross and I'm going to be dying But he says here, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to die. I'm going to come to you. Now, they're having a little trouble with that. They're trying to figure out how all this is going to, how is all this going to happen? Verse 19, he says, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. At that day, resurrection, At that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, look at this last phrase, and will manifest myself to him. Now, after the Lord Jesus Christ gets done teaching that, Judas, not Iscariot, not not Judas Iscariot, But Judas, one of the disciples, asked a very important question. Look what he says in verse number 22. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. You may be seated this morning, and well, I hope you've enjoyed this series on the Holy Spirit. I think it's been a help to us, and I've I've got something from it. But I want to talk to you about this subject this morning, the importance of the Holy Spirit in the rapture. And so let's go to the Lord this morning and ask God to help us, and we'll jump right into this Bible study today. Father, we love you. And uh, Lord, it sure is a joy to be in the house of God today. Lord, thank you for the wonderful crowd. Thank you for the great spirit. Lord, thank you for touching the song service and blessing the choir. Thank you for the special, which went right along with the message that we're gonna preach today. 
And uh, Lord, you're just amazing how you coordinate the service and we just appreciate your blessings. Now, Lord, if there may be one here today that does not know Christ as their personal savior, and that's very possible in a crowd like this, Lord, I pray today, October the 16th, 2022, would be the day of their salvation. Lord, if there are those here this morning that are saved, but they are away from the, the will of God, they, they know that, the Lord has let them know that. Lord, I pray today that they would make a decision to rededicate their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, it could be there's somebody here today and they are battling with discouragement, they're battling with depression, they're battling with bitterness, they're battling with guilt. Uh, maybe someone here this morning has a stronghold in their life, uh, an, an addiction of some kind. And Lord, they're struggling with that thing. It's like sin has them chained and bound. Father, I pray today would be, uh, Lord, a great day for them. I pray that you would set them free. Lord, I pray that you would save the lost. And I pray that you would encourage the saved. And I pray that most of all, that Christ would receive honor and praise and glory. And Lord, if we could just pray this, we pray the spirit of God would flow like a mighty rushing wind today. God, bless our discussion. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. And we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake we pray. And all God's people said, amen. And Judas is asking uh, an incredibly important question here in John chapter 14. Now, you have to understand something too, that the disciples have been traveling with the Lord now. He's been uh, heavily involved in ministry. They've listened to him teach. They've listened to him preach. They've watched him heal blinded eyes. They've watched him heal the cripples. They've seen people throw away their crutches. They've seen people pick up their beds and walk away. Um, they've seen so many great miracles. They've watched as the Lord has taught the multitudes. Uh, he has fed them physically. He's fed them spiritually. And so we see several things in this question that Judas asked. Um, they want the Lord to manifest himself. They want the Lord to manifest himself to the world. They would like nothing more than to see the Lord Jesus Christ set up his kingdom right there and then. That's really what they wanted. Uh, and they wanted the Roman Empire to be put down. But that's not what the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about. He's talking about dying and yet manifesting himself once again to his disciples. And Judas asked a very important question, and this was it. Lord, if you're gonna do something as great as die and come back from the dead, isn't the whole world gonna realize who you are? Now, it's, that's a logical question. And so he's saying this, Lord, if you're, if you're gonna do what you say you're gonna do, you're gonna die and you're gonna come back alive, how is it that if you're gonna do something of that magnitude, how is it that you'll only manifest yourself to us? That's what Judas is asking. But that's exactly what Jesus said, isn't it? When I return from the dead, It'll be understood only by some, not all. I'm gonna manifest myself to you. And Judas said, but how? And Jesus said, if you love me, Judas, and you love my father, we're gonna come to you and we're gonna make an abode with you. And you're gonna realize that what I have said is, ex is exactly what happened. Now, church, you know what? That's exactly what did happen. 
When the Lord Jesus Christ rose again, we all know this because we've read the story that the God-haters totally rejected the idea of Christ's resurrection. Not only that, but we noticed that the, that the religious crowd desperately tried to cover it up. The last thing they needed was a resurrected Christ. He had so much power. People were beginning to follow him in a great, great way. They were beginning to see through the facade of the, of the, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and even some of the, uh, some of the religious leaders. And so, boy, they were, they were desperate at trying to cover up the resurrection of Christ. And I'm going to be honest, even some of the disciples were having just a little bit of a difficult time. Maybe we should say a lot of a difficult time trying to understand exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ was saying. And so it's here that the Lord Jesus begins to instruct his disciples concerning the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Fellas, I'm going to die, but I'm gonna come back and I'm not gonna manifest myself to everybody because it's not that time yet. By the way, church, that time is gonna come where he will manifest himself to the entire world. But he said, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna manifest myself to, to, to some but not to the whole world. But I believe, I really do believe this. I believe that this truth sheds light on another question that's often asked concerning the rapture of the church. How is something as life-changing and life-altering as the rapture of the church gonna take place and yet many are gonna totally miss it? Which, by the way, Calvary, is exactly what's gonna happen. Now, let me tell you several things about the rapture this morning, and I'm going to come back and answer that question toward the end. We believe at Calvary Baptist Church that the rapture of the church is the next event on God's prophetical calendar. Now, let me say something about the rapture. The rapture is unlike the second advent or the second coming of Christ. The rapture is what we call imminent. And by that, I mean this. It can happen at any moment. Now, we may make it through this service. We may not make it through this service. Did you know that, that in God's providence and God's sovereignty that uh, October the 16th, 2022 may be the day that the Lord knew all along that the rapture of the church was going to happen. Now, we don't know that. And by the way, I don't know that. And for that matter, no preacher knows that. Amen. And anybody that tells you that they know a certain day and a certain hour when the Lord Jesus Christ is coming is full of hogwash. I'm just telling you that. Nobody knows the day and nobody knows the hour. But we know that the rapture of the church is imminent, unlike the second advent, because the second coming of Christ happens only after certain events have been fulfilled. Let me show that to you. Turn over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24 this morning. Matthew 24, and look at verse number 29. Now, this scripture is not talking about the rapture of the church. It's talking about the second coming of Christ. Uh, Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 29, and the Lord Jesus Christ is, is speaking of his second advent when he comes to put down the Antichrist and to begin setting up his kingdom on this earth. Matthew 24, verse 29, the Bible says immediately, notice the word, immediately, what's the next word? After the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, not before, but after those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then, not until then, but then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn 
And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. And so the second advent is different from the rapture in that the second advent will happen only after certain things have been fulfilled. But the rapture of the church is imminent. That means that, folks, the rapture may happen right now. It may happen in the next five seconds. And I would just ask this. If the rapture of the church took place in the next 10 minutes, would you be ready? You said, Pastor, not even close. I'm not even close to being ready. I've never been born again. I, I, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. I've always said I'm going to do it one of these days. But, but, but preacher, if the rapture took place right now and the church was called out, I wouldn't go. Well, I'm going to tell you what I wouldn't do. Number one, I wouldn't wait till the end of the service. I'd just come on down right now and get saved. Uh, you say, preacher, I'll bother you. You won't bother me. Just come on down. If we see you come, we'll have somebody meet you here with a Bible. And we'd love to see you get born again. And so the rapture is imminent. Now, let me tell you some things about the rapture of the church this morning that I believe will be interesting to you. How about this? Number one, the rapture of the church will happen suddenly. Look, if you will, at 1 Corinthians 15 this morning in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And look at verse number 51. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. Interesting, interesting scripture here. 1 Corinthians 15, and verse number 51. The Bible says, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Look at verse 52. The Bible says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. The Bible is referencing the rapture of the church here. And it says that when that day takes place, that those of us that are born again, those who have been saved by the grace of God and are covered by the blood of Jesus, the Bible says that we're going to be raptured out, we're gonna be caught away, and the Bible uses these terms in the twinkling of an eye. Now, uh, you look that word up, that word twinkling, it means this, it means a stroke. It means a beat, a heartbeat, a moment of time. Um, listen, this is what the Bible's saying, that before you know what happens, it's over. Before you know what happens, it's over. People say, well, you know, Pastor, I don't believe a word you're saying, but I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, if this all happens, I'll run to the church and I'll have somebody lead me to Christ. Well, most of the church won't be here. Those who are really a part of the church, they'll be gone. But you won't have time to come to the church. You won't even have time to think about the church. You won't have time to call the church. You won't have time to, to reach out to the pastor. Why? Because the rapture of the church is going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. It's going to happen so fast that by the time it is over, you'll never know it. And so the rapture of the church will happen suddenly. How about this? Number two, the rapture of the church will happen in the sky. Now that's different than the second coming. In the second coming of Christ, Jesus is coming to the earth. In fact, 
my wife and I had the opportunity to walk down the Mount of Olives back in, uh, uh, back in June or back in July of 2019. And our Bible tells us that one of these days, the Lord Jesus Christ is gonna come in the second coming and he's gonna plant his feet on the Mount of Olives and the Bible says that the Mount of Olives is gonna split in two different pieces. Uh, but I want you to understand that Christ, when the second coming takes place, that Jesus is coming to the earth, but not the rapture. The rapture of the church will happen in the sky. Look, if you will, at 1 Thessalonians chapter four, verse 17. 1 Thessalonians chapter four and verse 17. The Bible says, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the what? To meet the Lord in the, in the air, not the earth, but we're gonna meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so we understand that the rapture of the church will happen suddenly. The rapture of the church will happen in the sky. I'll tell you something else. The rapture of the church will happen with a shout. With a shout. Now, same chapter, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter four and verse number 16. The Bible says, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. Now, you say, pastor, what's that gonna sound like? I don't know what it's gonna sound like, but I know this, you're not gonna have any problem hearing it. He's coming with a shout. Now, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what that shout is gonna sound like, but we believe we know maybe what that shout is gonna consist of. According to Revelation chapter number four and verse number one, John the Revelator said it like this. After this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither. Now, you say, pastor, are you, uh, are you gonna guarantee that? I'm not gonna guarantee that, but I, 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 I lean toward believing that. I believe that one of these days, that God's gonna come, the rapture of the church is gonna happen. I believe it's gonna happen in the twinkling of an eye. It's gonna happen suddenly. It's gonna happen in the sky and it's gonna happen with a shout. And I believe that the Lord of Lord is gonna come and he's gonna shout and it's gonna be something like this. Come up hither. Hey, any of you ever do this when you were smaller? Any of you ever went out one evening and uh, mom let you go out and play ball or something like that? And you went out, man, you got so busy playing ball, you know, and it got dark and you kept on playing, and, uh, and you really knew you were supposed to be home, but you're so involved in the game, you just kept on playing. And finally, boy, mama poked her head out the back door, and she said, you better get home. And you know what that meant? That meant you better fold up your glove and get your ball, and brother, you better get to the house, amen? Hey, did you know there's coming a day when God's gonna throw the door open? And it's gonna say, hey, enough's enough, enough's enough. Hey, hey, we're done with Republican and Democrat and moderate and independent and I'm done with all the sin and I'm done with all the degradation that's in our world today. Hey, children of God, come on home. And so the rapture of the church is gonna happen with a shout. Tell you something else. The rapture of the church will happen with a sound. And it's a certain sound. What do you mean, preacher? A trumpet sound. A trumpet sound. Look at verse 16 again. The Bible says, and the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and, and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, there are some who believe that the shout and the sound are one and the same. Now, 
We're not going to debate over it. We're not going to fuss, fuss about that. But I believe this. I believe there's going to be a trumpet sound. I believe that. And uh, you say, well, what about that shout? I believe there's going to be both. I believe the Lord's going to, I believe God's going to come and say, come up hither. And I believe that the trump of God is going to sound. By the way, if you don't believe a trumpet's going to sound, what in the world do you do with 1 Corinthians 15, 52? Where the Bible says this, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound. <laughs> what do you do with that verse? And so, I don't know about y'all, I just believe the Bible, Amen. Hence why I believe that when the rapture of the church takes place, I believe there's gonna be a shout. I believe that there's gonna be a sound and that sound is gonna be the sound of a trumpet. But church, this is where I wanted to get to. Not only will the rapture of the church happen suddenly, not only will the rapture of the church happen in the sky, not only will the rapture of the church happen with a shout and the sound of a trumpet, but the rapture of the church will happen surreptitiously. Now, it's a big word, and it's one we don't use a whole lot, surreptitiously. What in the world, pastor, does that mean? It means this. It means the rapture of the church is gonna happen stealthily. You've heard of stealth. We have a stealth bomber. One of the things about the stealth bomber is, is that it, uh, it goes without being seen. It, it's camouflaged. And the rapture of the church is gonna happen in the same way. It will happen, but the world will not necessarily know what hit them. Now, you say, Brother Pope, where in the world do you get such a night? If something as big and giant, and it is, as big as the rapture of the church is gonna take place, God's gonna come in the air, Jesus is gonna come in the air, he's gonna, he's gonna shout, come up hither, they're gonna shout, uh, sound a trumpet, then how in the world do you get this idea that the whole world is not gonna be aware of what's going on? Let me tell you a couple things. Number one, we know this. We know that, that, most, that the rapture most certainly will not cause men to repent and turn to Christ. Did you know our Bible says in, Re in Revelation chapter nine concerning the, even the tribulation period and the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands. Church, listen to me. Somebody says, pastor, if something as huge as the rapture takes place, surely men are gonna repent. No, they're not. Men are so hardened in their sin and their unbelief that even something as colossal as the rapture of the church is not going to cause lost men to repent of their sin and come to Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you something else. Throughout your Bible, supernatural events often happened in the past and men were not aware that it was divine. Now I wanna give you a couple of examples of that, what I'm talking about. Look if you will at John chapter 12, the gospel of John, John chapter 12. And when you find your place, look at verse number, uh, verse number 28. John chapter 12, verse number 28. Just because something supernatural happens doesn't mean it causes men to acknowledge that it's God that did it. John chapter 12 is an interesting chapter, and it's in John chapter 12 that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming into Jerusalem. He's riding on the back of a, of a donkey, and the Bible says that the people are, are throwing palms in the road and and, uh, and, and Jesus is coming in to Jerusalem 
And look what what happens here in John 12, verse 28. The Lord Jesus says, Father, glorify thy name. Look what happened, church. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Now look at verse 29. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said, an angel spake to him. So people heard this supernatural thing take place, and you know what they said? It was just thunder. (laughs) Isn't that just like the world, by the way? God can do great things and do great miracles, and God can heal somebody from an affliction. God can bless our nation like he's blessed our nation And yet we have people all over America who deny that it's God, that God had nothing to do with it. God had nothing to do with that healing. God had nothing to do with blessing this nation. Let me tell you something, brother. If you get healed, it's because of God. And if God blesses this nation, it's because of God. And yet we're living in a world that's so dark and so so degraded that they're just not willing to admit anything that has to do with the Lord. Let me show you another example. Turn over to Acts chapter 22 in your Bibles and look at verse number six with me. Acts chapter 22 and verse number six, we see another supernatural occurrence take place. This is the apostle Paul. He's on the Damascus road. He's a persecutor of the church, but he's about to get born again. And look what happens in Acts chapter 22 and verse number six, Paul, who's still lost in his sin. Verse number six, Acts 22 verse six, Paul says, and it came to pass, that as I made my journey and was come nigh to Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me and I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul. Now, I don't know what that sounded like. Can you all imagine what the voice of God sounds like? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, who art thou, Lord? And by the way, just in case you're wondering, who God is, look what he said. Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. The Jehovah's Witnesses don't like that verse right there. Verse nine, and they that were with me, look at this, and they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. Now, church, this is what I'm saying. When the rapture of the church takes place, it's gonna be cataclysmic but the world will miss it. They'll miss it. You say, preacher, cataclysmic. What kind of thing is going to happen when the rapture of the church takes place? Well, think about it. Just, I mean, just think about it. Now, because of all the terrorism, they have worked all the cockpits out, cockpits out where you can't get into the little place where the pilots are. And so once those pilots go in there and lock that door, there's basically no way to get in. Here's a 747. It's got three or 400 people on there. They're going to go across the Atlantic Ocean over to Europe or England or something like that. Here's a pilot. Here's a co-pilot. And all of a sudden, the rapture of the church takes place. And both those men are born again. You say, what's going to happen? They're caught away. Instantaneously. They're caught away. Now you have a 747 with a locked cockpit that has nobody flying the plane. I I told that to a lady. When I was writing my first book on Revelation, I was getting ready to hire a lady to help 
proof the book and help write the book. And I sent her some of the content and she said, wow. She said, boy, you really make things sound dramatic. Let me tell you something, church. That's not something a preacher drummed up. That's gonna happen. You understand there are gonna be planes that are gonna be coming to Charlotte and places like Los Angeles, California where you can't afford to mess up. I mean, there's just nothing but a sea of population everywhere. There's buildings and people and apartments everywhere. And here they are coming in on their last approach and they're, they, they've already got their landing gear down and they're coming in. And uh, I mean, they're just a mile or two from the runway and all of a sudden the rapture takes place and those pilots are caught out. You understand what's going to happen in the rapture of the church? Whole city blocks are going to be totally annihilated. Planes will crash all over the world, not just America, but Europe and Africa and Asia. And uh, it'll happen all over, and, and, and it will happen in a moment of time. We'll see big, giant rigs going down the road, weight, weighted down, 80,000 pounds. Going down the road, 70, 75 mile an hour, and all of a sudden the rapture takes place. And that truck driver's born again. Now you have a semi that's totally loaded with no driver. You know, you know what's gonna happen, church? It's gonna cause worldwide chaos. You say, I'm gonna drive over to the church as fast as I can. You won't be able to drive to the church. Man, there'll be gridlock everywhere. Roads will be clogged. Uh, listen, think about it. Think about it. Uh, there'll be operating rooms that are performing brain surgeries, heart surgeries, things that require absolute, complete concentration. And all of a sudden, as they're at that most important part of the surgery, the rapture of the church takes place, and that surgeon's born again. And that attendant or that nurse or two are born again. All of a sudden, the surgeon's gone. The nurses are gone. And here's that person laying on an operating table. Nobody's there to tend to them. You say, Pastor, you're making this stuff up. No, I'm not making it up. I'm telling you, that kind of stuff is going to happen. I'm talking about trains that are loaded with people, and all of a sudden, there's no engineer. I'm talking about bus drivers that are going down city roads, loaded city roads, and all of a sudden the bus driver's caught away and a full bus has no driver. Those kind of things are going to happen in the rapture of the church. Now, you can not believe this if you want, but it's just I believe this. We have a, a, a chapter in one of our books called Do Babies Go to Heaven? I believe, personally I believe, according to Scripture, I believe babies are covered in the grace of God until they reach that age of accountability, that they are covered by the grace of God. And I believe that those babies who never reach that age where they realize what sin is and what Jesus has done for them, I believe that when the rapture of the church takes place, Jesus will rapture them out. Here's a little mom and a daddy just gave birth to this new bouncing baby boy or this beautiful, beautiful, oh, she's the most beautiful thing they've ever, ever laid their, their eyes on. And uh, mama has been to the jaws of death to give life, and she's tired. And so she says, honey, why don't we send the baby back down to the nursery for a little while? And they, the nurse comes, and they take the baby, and mama takes a nap and gets a little rest. A little bit later, she says to her husband, honey, let's walk down and see the baby. Let's go see the baby. And she puts her, you know, her house coat on, you know, 
And they, he grabs her arm, you know, and they walk down to the little nursery and they, get, they begin to look in that little nursery and they see all the little baby holders there. But all the babies are gone. And that mama begins to scream, where's my baby? Where's my baby? Where's my baby? Where's my baby? And we hear that all over that hospital and all over the world. Listen, I'm telling you that those kind of things are gonna happen when the rapture of the church takes place. You say, preacher, you're making that up. No, I'm not making it up. I'm telling you that, friend, mark my words, that's going to happen. It's gonna happen. And yet, the world will not be aware of what has taken place. You say, pastor, how's that even possible? Well, we answered our question this morning. The difference between ignorance and awareness will be the Holy Spirit. That's gonna be the difference. Now again, look back, John 14, we're done. We're done this morning. I'm getting ready to bring this thing to a close. John chapter 14, look at verse 22. John 14, verse 22. Judas saith unto him, not a scary, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Well, I believe this fits the rapture's well. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Those who have the abode of the Holy Spirit within them will be fully aware of what has transpired in the rapture of the church. But those who do not have the Spirit of God living inside of them, the rapture will happen in the twinkling of an eye and they will wonder, what happened? And by the way, We'll not get into this part today, but by the way, did you know the Bible says that those that are left behind, that at that point, God will send them strong delusion. That they, those left behind, that they, those who had the opportunity to believe, but they did not believe, that they should believe a lie. And so, some will be aware. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, You'll know what happened. You'll know instantaneously. It's the rapture. If you're lost and you don't have the Spirit of God living inside of you, you'll be totally unaware of what's just transpired on the earth. Man, interesting story. And I didn't realize there was anything even remotely like this was true. I thought this kind of stuff was make-believe. Listen to this. In 1974, a man by the name of Hiru Onada was a Japanese army intelligence officer. And he caused a sensation when he was persuaded to come out of hiding by a former comrade on the Philippine island of Lubang. Now listen, church. Mr. Onada was now 83 years old. And he wept uncontrollably as he agreed to lay down his rifle, unaware that the Japanese forces had surrendered 29 years earlier. And by the way, just in case you're wondering, this is a true story. I fact-checked it. You can read it. You can watch the videos on it. What do you mean, preacher? Here was a Japanese officer that for 29 years was totally unaware that the war had ended. Watch the story. This guy even, listen, this guy went on to, he killed, he killed several he killed upwards of 30 Filipino people after the war had ended. His parents died during that 29 years. His wife thought he was dead. She remarried. 
during those 29 years. His son, who was just a little, little boy when he left for the war, was now a grown man with four kids. And for 29 years, this guy's living in the jungle, totally unaware that Japan had surrendered 29 years earlier, unaware. Man, I read that and I thought, wow. You know, I told that story. That's going to happen when the rapture of the church takes place. People will be unaware of what just happened. What happened? What happened? We say, preacher, those people who've been in churches, who've heard this, they're not saved, but they've been in churches, they'll know. I don't know. Because the Bible says that they that had a chance to believe and yet they rejected, the Bible says God will send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. You know what's going to happen? When all those people go missing in a moment of time, somebody, mark my words, somebody's going to come on the scene and say, well, folks, we just had our first alien invasion. And millions of earthlings are gone. And God's going to send them strong delusion. And some people who sat in churches just like this are going to say, well, you know what? That makes sense. That makes sense. And they will die in their sin and go to hell. You know what, church? This isn't make-believe. This is real stuff. Now I want to ask you a question. If the rapture of the church took place right now, right now, this very instant, do you know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved and going to heaven when you die? You say, Pastor, I don't, okay? Thank you for being honest. Here's what I want you to do. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. And we're going to have, I'm going to have a few of my fellows are going to come and they're going to stand, stand along the front here with some Bibles. And if you're here this morning, say, Preacher, I'm not saved. We're not going to make you give a speech. That's what the devil tells you. We're not going to embarrass you. But I'll tell you what we would like to do. We'd just like to share Christ with you and how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. I want you to come. So let's very quietly, let's all stand around the house. Father, we love you. And thank you so much for this time we've had together this morning. Lord, help us to realize that, Lord, this is, this is genuine. Lord, these things that we've talked about today, these are gonna happen. It's gonna happen. And Lord, truth of the matter is, it's gonna be far worse than anything I can describe in a message. Lord, for those that are here in this crowd this morning, or for those watching by way of the live stream who do not know Christ as their personal Savior, Father, I pray right now that you would give them faith and I pray you give them courage, Lord, to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Father, have your way in this invitation, please. That child of God that's saved and yet they're away from the will of God. God, I pray they'll come today rededicating their life to Jesus. Lord, that one that's dealing with bitterness right now in their heart and bitterness is eating them up. That one that's dealing with guilt that one, Lord, that, Lord, has got an addiction in their life, whatever it may be, whatever it may be, God, I pray that you'd help them to come and help them to realize that burdens are lifted at Calvary. Have your way in this invitation, please. And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me ask a question. How many are here this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed? 
And you'd say, preacher, if I died today, if I died right here on the spot, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt, I know that I know that I know that I'm saved and going to heaven when I die. If that's you, you just give the Lord a little wave offer, man. Just say, thank you, Jesus. I mean, just slip your hand up. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You can lower your hands. Isn't that a blessing, church, to raise your hand and say that? That don't never get old to us. But how many are here right now who would say, Pastor, Pastor, I'm going to be honest. If I died right now, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about heaven. Preacher, I'm just not sure. Would you at least pray for me? How many are like that around the house this morning? Right now, you just slip your hand up. You'd say, preacher, that's me. Would you pray for me right now? I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? Just raise it up and sort of wave it at me. I see a hand. Who else? Preacher, if I died right now, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? Just raise it up real high and wave it at me so I don't miss you today. Anybody else like that? Pastor, pray for me. I'm not saved. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Come on. Preacher, remember me. Is there another? Anywhere. Just, just raise it up as high as you can. Let me pray for you. How many are here this morning and say, Pastor, I am saved. But if the rapture of the church take, took place in the next 10 seconds, I'm not sure I'm really ready to stand before the Lord. God knows what it's about. Pastor, please pray for me this morning. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you, you slip your hand up right now, right now. You'd say, preacher, pray for me. Pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Who else? God bless you. Who else? Preacher, if the rapture took place in the next 10 seconds, I'm not sure I'd be fully ready to stand before the Lord of Lords. Is there somebody else right now? You'd slip your hand up. Can I pray for you this morning? God bless you. Amen. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I am saved, but I've never been baptized. I need to make myself a candidate for baptism. Preacher, we're not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. We feel it maybe is the will of God that God's leading us to Calvary. Listen, church, it could be many, many things. But if God's dealing, I want to encourage you to come. If you're here this morning and say, Preacher, I am saved. I, I remember the day. I take you back to the day and the time. But Preacher, I've got a loved one. They're just as lost. They're just as lost as they can be. And if the rapture took place in the next 10 seconds, they would not be ready. Hey, you know what? I believe this would be in order. If you're here this morning and you have a loved one that's lost and undone without Christ, would you do this this morning? Would you at least maybe just step out and come to this altar this morning and breathe their name to the Lord and say, Lord, would you save them? Lord, would you give me the opportunity to witness to them? Maybe you have family that's lost and today you just come and breathe their name to the Lord. That's right. Father, I pray you'd have your way now in this invitation. Speak to hearts as only you can. Lord, I pray for this one that raised their hand about salvation. God, help this to be the day. Help this to be the day of their salvation. Father, those that are saved and yet maybe they're not quite where they need to be. 
concerning the will of God, I pray today would be a new day for them. I pray, Lord, that they would rededicate their life to Christ. And God, I pray you'd put your hand of blessing upon them and begin to use them in a great way. And then, Lord, I pray that loved ones would come and just pray for their family members, their lost family members. Have your way in the invitation, please. And Father, we sure thank you. In Jesus' name, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Hey, if you need to come right now, would you come? We've got some folks up here with a Bible. We'd love to pray with you. Would you come? Would you come? You're here this morning and say, Brother Pope, if I died right now, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. I want to go. Preacher, I want to go. I'm just not sure I would. Would you come right now? Would you come? Let us take the Word of God and show you how you can be saved. Would you come? Pastor, I need to I need to come home. I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. Okay. Just slip out right now. Would you come? Folks are coming. How about you? Not really where I need to be. Okay. Let's deal with that today. Let's deal with that today. Folks are coming. How about you, friend? God speaking to your heart? Would you come? Amen. Thank you, ladies.